Welcome inside episode 700 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan with you down in Chile, Florida, alongside Brandon Piller up in the Blue Mountains. And the Ottawa Senators are back from their Christmas vacation with maybe their toughest test of the season. And the World Junior Championship has started with all four Sens prospects in the tournament making their debuts. I also want to touch on a conversation I put out on Twitter and why is Canada struggling to find elite goaltending talent? All that coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Senators podcast. It's your team every day. Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Thank you for making Locked On Senators your first listen. On this Tuesday, December 27th, the show is free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube, where the best way you can help the show grow is to subscribe to the Locked On Senators channel and leave a comment on the video below. It's our first show since the Christmas break. Hope everyone had a safe and fulfilling time with their families. If you were traveling, man, I wish you the best of luck. It's been a gong show at the airports. But Pilsy, how was your Christmas, brother? It was good. Yeah, uh, the snowstorm was a blessing for me as I wasn't traveling and was hoping to get on Blue Mountain for some snowboarding. So that was good for me. But I'm glad you made it to Florida, Ross. I thought you were going to have to live the rest of your life in Pearson Airport. So uh, I'm glad things worked out for you. Hey, the jury's still out on my uh, baggage, but whatever. That's neither <laughs> here nor there. We are surprised that it was a full attendance at Sen's practice with all the travel gong show. We saw a lot of guys went home for Christmas and the holidays, the three-day break the Senators had. Well, four, actually, because we haven't touched on the fact that the, the Detroit Red Wings game on Friday was postponed due thank to the weather. Yes, thank God. So oh. that's been rescheduled to February 27th. And now we're going to have a back-to-back both at home, both against the same team. Yeah. Now, the argument is that maybe they'll have some more healthy bodies, but Pilsy, right now, coming back from the break, we were surprised that there's more injuries versus you'd expect, hey, some time off, maybe some guys get back. I mean, Artem Zub still out there with a full cage and non-contact jersey, but now we're adding to the injury list. Yeah, this is uh, tough news for the Ottawa Senators, as we hoped some players would be back here. But, Ross, the injury list, it's its insane. They're looking at Norris, Zub, Brandstrom, Chartier, Mott, Joseph, and I feel like I'm missing one guy. JBD. And JBD, yes. So seven players are injured. Even the guys that were called up to replace those injured players, like Rourke Chartier, is out. Like... This is a bare-bones Ottawa Senators team, and wouldn't you know it, they're going up against the best team in the NHL. Great. Great. Yes, a team that's only lost four times in regulation all season, including the Ottawa Senators' home opener where we had boots on the ground. 7-5 victory for the Ottawa Senators in a game that had more back and forth than you could imagine, even though the Senators held the lead throughout. It really did feel like it was slipping away until it wasn't. We'll have a full game day preview coming up later. We also want to touch on some World Junior stuff. But, Pilsy, let's go through that injured list right now for the Ottawa Senators. We know that Josh Norris is aiming for January at some point to come and make his return from a shoulder injury that did not require surgery. He's been rehabbing it. He's been practicing with the team. He's been on road trips. So all good signs for Josh Norris. However, with Matthew Joseph, he skated and it didn't go well. So they're going to try again next week. But that doesn't sound like it's very good news. No, I, Matthew Joseph is one of the guys that I kind of have as uh, returning later rather than anytime soon. Yes, and we'll stick with the long-term aspect of it. And that's Tyler Mott is going to be out, I would imagine, at least a month. It's a broken finger. And Ottawa Senators fans know a thing or two about broken fingers being fans of a team that Bobby Ryan played on for so many years. Yeah, I mean, true. Usually like a month at a time, right? And it's so tough because it seems like, like you know, you got 10 fingers. What's one? But when, you're holding, <laughs> when you're holding your stick, I mean. So we're Ross not Levitan, not a doctor, guys. 
we are not laughing at the injury, just the fact that, you know, it just, it doesn't feel like it would be, you know, like a shoulder or a groin or, or an ankle like JBD with his high ankle sprain. But I mean, Bobby could probably tell you more than, than we could, but it, it seems like something that's going to linger a little bit longer, just like a high ankle sprain would. But Pilsy, it sounds like Jacob Bernard Docker is probably the closest of the bunch to coming back. And that's great news because I think JBD is at a point where he's ready to make a push to stay on this team more than just a cup of coffee and filling in for injured players. Like I really think JBD is at a point now where he can replace Nick Holden on the bottom pair and it would be effective. So I would love to see JBD back, especially like whether he's in Ottawa or in Belleville, it doesn't really matter to me as long as he's playing somewhere. That's what I really want the most. No question. And then with Eric Branstrom, it's lower body. With Rourke Charte, it's upper body. DJ Smith not divulging any more information from Well, with that. Rourke Charte, it was a hand. He blocked a shot uh, on his hand. I, I believe that was in the Washington. Yeah, it was in the Washington game. So whether it's a finger or hand or what, it, what is it, but uh, he's probably going to be out a couple more games here as well. Not a doctor, but you have two hands, ten fingers. <laughs> yeah, come on, guys. Like... <laughs> All right, so we're going to get to who's replacing those injured players for the Ottawa Senators. Now, the Sens did get a point in their loss against the Washington Capitals, so you can still kind of extend that streak where the Senators are playing some decent hockey, especially when you consider these injuries. But it really does kind of feel like, you know, they're just kind of treading water because now they've gone three games without a win, right? Since that that special teams bonanza in Detroit where they won 6-3, They've now lost three in a row. The 5-1 loss to the Jets was really kind of a punch in the face. But if you go back to U.S. Thanksgiving, 8-4-2. and two, And they've actually lost a point of ground in the standings, despite winning eight games and getting a loser point in two extra ones. And having, I would say, an above-average record in the National Hockey League. But Pilsy, in that stretch, they've lost four games in regulation, right? And two games outside of regulation. That's what the Boston Bruins have lost all season. (laughs) Oh, man. And, like, looking back, Ross, all of us, I think majority of Sens fans, the idea was, okay, the Sens are going to be in the playoff mix and the Bruins are going to be out of it. What (laughs) dumb takes that was by most of us. Like, I think it's fair to say a lot of Sens fans had that feeling that, oh, Marchand's going to be out till Christmas. Uh, McAvoy's going to be out a while. Bergeron and Krejci, they're washed. Like, it's not going to happen. The goaltending's not going to work. Oh, my God. We couldn't have been more wrong. We could not have been more wrong, Pilsy. And, uh, Freezing cold takes. And oh. up, completely admitted, especially, I mean, to, to be fair, and, and spin zone before we get into the full game day preview, is that the Boston Bruins came into Ottawa 4-0 and on the season. It's not like Ottawa met them right off the bat. Like, they had already won a few games. They were feeling good. Ottawa had won two, and then, or sorry, had lost two. Lost two, yeah. And then we're coming home. So we're like, oh my God, the 0-2-0 Ottawa Senators taking on the 4-0 Boston Bruins. What could go wrong? Well, it seemed... Everything went right from Claude Giroux scoring on his first shift as an Ottawa Senator. Yeah. Artem Zub scoring an unreal spin-around shot. He made no mistake, although he won't be in the lineup tonight. But it was great to see kind of that kick off a four-game win streak for the Ottawa Senators on home ice. The game is in Ottawa tonight. Give yourself plenty of time to get yeah. to the rink. The roads are probably not still what you would like to see um, going out to Canada. So make sure you're staying safe out there and getting to the game early if you're not going to the game early you can always catch the game at the glebe central pub one of our favorite sponsors as well and take a peek as well when they're running their shuttles you can do that on their website glebecentralpub.com but i wanted to mention the glebe central pub because they are uh, they're our sponsor for the postcast and the postcast also returns tonight you can catch us on our youtube channel after tonight's game but Pilsy we have lots to get to including why is Canada not producing any goalies after last night's loss to the Czechia in the opener for the world juniors how did Zach Ostapchuk how did Thomas Amara Oscar Pedersen and Tyler Boucher look plus a full game day preview all that's next on the Locked On Senators podcast Today's episode is brought to you by Shawarma Palace you're among family at Shawarma Palace they are the best spot to get your craving in Ottawa ever since 1997. They've got the stamp of longevity, and they will never, ever 
ever skimp on the portions at Shawarma Palace. Usually it's quality, quantity. Which one are you picking? Well, how about both at Shawarma Palace? We love our friends at Shawarma Palace, and I love going in there, walking right up to the counter and saying, hey, I'll get a Shawarma platter, chicken, extra garlic sauce, and then can I get a side of garlic sauce as well? Because I like to put that in specific areas as I divulge through that and also you're not going to eat the whole thing at once and if you do let us know in the comments because i don't believe you but if you can eat the entire platter at once good on you the beauty though is that it's more affordable to go to shawarma palace multiple times a week than it is going to the grocery store you get your rice you get your salad you get your potatoes you get your garlic sauce you get your hummus you get your pita you get your chicken pills am i missing anything you get your pickled turnips like you get all of that in one great platter at Shawarma Palace. So go check them out at any of their nine locations in Ottawa, either on Bank and Gladstone. There's one at Rito and Augusta. Go check them out on Twitter at Shawarma underscore Palace and let them know that Locked On Senators sent you. You eat as a royal at Shawarma Palace and sends game days taste better at Shawarma Palace, Ottawa's best food since 1997. And today's episode is also brought to you by our friends over at betonline.net. Guys, it's a trusted online sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. And for good reasons. They got all the latest odds, news, scores, updates, whatever you need to make an informed decision on your wagering. you got to go to BetOnline. There's so many different things. You can bet on hockey, basketball, football. The NFL is really heating up lately. Boxing, golf, UFC, whatever sport you like, they got it at Bet Online. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Guys, it's betonline.net where the game starts. All right, Pillsy. Sends game day. We'll get to that. But the World Juniors are here. And let's take it back one year ago when it was the canceled World Juniors in Red Deer. We were so excited. We finally had hockey. That was in the midst of cancellations across the National Hockey League. We were locked on to the World Juniors. How was day one for you? Were you locked on? Were you watching? I caught the Canada game. I was out on the slopes for uh, the first couple games, so I missed Tyler Boucher's uh, game. But, I mean, anytime Tyler Boucher is in action, you don't need to watch the game. You just need to be following Adelim's Martian to get an idea of what Boucher's doing in that game. So I definitely checked out our good buddy's clips there. Um, but, my God, that is not the way I thought Canada was going to come out here, Ross. I even went to bet online and I bet them to win by minus two and a half. Like I was so sure they're going to win by at least three goals. Well, they lost by three goals, five to two to team Czechia. I know that was tough. So it was a divide and conquer situation because I caught the Sweden game and I caught the USA game, but not Canada versus Czechia. But let's stick with the Canadians because for, for me, this was kind of a wake-up call. And how often do we see it? Wasn't it against Russia a couple of years ago where they lost 6 nothing, and everyone was ready for a national yeah. emergency? <laughs> they came back and did just fine, won the tournament. So I, I think that it's important to kind of take it in perspective. But I looked up their goalie's numbers. He's a sub-900 save percentage in the OHL. Like, is that the best that, that Canada can put in the crease? Well, I don't think so. The... The backup goalie, uh, Milic, right? Yes. Yeah, he played in the WHL, and he had a massive season, especially playoffs last year. I believe with the Seattle Thunderbirds, they were just absolutely destroying the WHL, kind of a surprise team to go far. And, Ross, this this doesn't surprise me at all. I feel like every single year in the World Juniors, Canada names their starter – he absolutely falls apart in the first game. Then the backup takes him the rest of the way. Like this is just the way Canada's world junior tournaments go. And I'm feeling pretty good about Milic. He looked a lot better than uh, Goudreau in this one. And team Czechia, like this is a massive, massive achievement for them coming in. You're playing the host team, the favorite, as if you listen to our interview with Scott Wheeler, he was very, uh, clear that Canada should be the favorite here, especially with all the talent they have coming from NHL squads. Like there's no reason why they can't be winning games up against 
better teams. But Team Czechia, good goaltending, good defense, and timely goals. They end up coming out with the W here. And Czechia beat the U.S. in the summer World Juniors as well. It's a program that's on the rise. Their top line is as good as any team, maybe not top line, but any any team's top two lines. They could be a second line on Canada, I would say. They've got a top draft pick. They've got a solid centerman who can distribute the puck as well. And then this Edward Saleh is supposed to be a top 10 pick this upcoming draft. We're not touching the 2023 draft until New Year, but there's (laughs) certainly a lot of talent there for Team Czechia. And then on the back end, David Yurchek, sixth overall pick, just ask his agent, Adam Walsh. That means he should get his luggage before I do. Um, so I, I thought I'd just kind of rolled my eyes at that one, but their goaltending was great. Whereas for yeah. Ben Goudreau, like not only does he have a sub 900 save percentage in the OHL Pilsy, he has an 868 save percentage. That's awful. Like, yeah. The, the one thing though, that the thing you need to keep in mind though, is OHL goalie stats are very misleading like a lot of the best goalies in the OHL their teams play run and gun style hockey and a lot of the defensemen in the OHL they're not out there trying to impress the scouts with good gap control and uh, getting sticks in lanes they're out there trying to score goals and create highlight plays so they often cheat offensively at least this is my opinion and when you're watching OHL you see a lot of the guys doing that and the goalie is left to mop up the mess and it's not it's not a easy task when your defense core isn't exactly holding you uh holding you well and putting you in a good spot. So with the OHL stats, I kind of take it with a grain of salt, but yeah. This is Team Canada you're talking about. Like really, it should be the cream of the crop here, and it doesn't seem like it was. Well, I asked the question on my own Twitter, and I have 130 replies to this. And a lot of them a lot of them are like very well thought out, and I get it. Like a lot of people are saying, like, everyone wants to be the next Crosby. Nobody wants to be the next Carey Price. Remember when goalie, it used to be cool to be a goalie. Like, Marty Brodeur was was out there playing the pocket, whipping it around. Patrick it was Wall, cool for us, Ross. Well, that's why we grow up as tendies. Patrick Wall was trying to fight everybody. Like, Dominic Hasek was poke-checking and going crazy. Like, there, like I, I do think there's a bit of, a bit of, uh, he's on the right train of thought there. And then a lot of people as well are saying that, this guy, like Ben Goodrow, like there's this program of excellence where they just lock in. They're like, okay, he's our guy. And then he's their guy all the way up, whereas goalies develop at different ages. And oh, it yeah. kind of feels like some guys get left behind who develop later, whereas they're they're really kind of, okay, this guy's in the program of excellence. He's our guy all the way through. There's a little bit too much loyalty or lack of um, creativity when it comes to, yep. to, hey, why don't we try this or try that? And I'm just scrolling through the replies now. I'm like, yeah. A lot of people are saying too expensive. That's that's kind of a classic. Makes sense. It's fair. I yeah. wonder if there's something that they can do because I feel like at some levels, again, height and all that plays a role, but I'm wondering if at some level you could have like, like let's say I grew up playing for the Ottawa Sting. The Ottawa Sting has sets of, a, of goalie gear for the organization. And that way the parents, because especially at that age, kids are growing. Like you're going to have to yeah. get a set of gear every couple of years. That is an expensive uh, thing to continue to have to get. It's not like a one and done type thing, like like um, like some other gear, like for for players. However, um, I, I wonder if that's something that could be done. Again, then you're asking the organization to foot the bill, but they get years of of service out of it because you know you bring it back like your jersey at the end of the year. But poor development, I think, probably is at the forefront of where I'm at, and not only the cost, but like. Think about it. And this was a problem that I had as a kid, too, because you're traveling pretty far. Like when I was a kid, we were going to Kingston for regular season games a couple times a year. And as a goalie, you're not starter or backup. You're switching every game. So if I'm trying to put myself in the parents' shoes, I'm driving two hours and my kid's going to sit on the bench for two hours and then I'm going to drive home. What? Like, that's boring. Yeah. No, that's fair. A a couple things uh, about the equipment and always changing. I grew up in a, in a small town, uh, so there wasn't a lot of kids playing hockey. And anyone that did play hockey, we all knew each other. It was a tight community. So what we would kind of do is, like, the goalie two years ahead of me, I'd be eyeing his equipment, being like, yeah, I kind of like those pads. I like those blockers. And then as soon as he gets new equip- equipment, I know who I'm calling. I'm calling that guy's parents, being like, hey, he grew out of those pads. Can I have them? Like, let's work out a deal here. And it was hilarious that, like, 
one set of pads would go through like three families and you would see the same pads on the rink here. So that's one way to do that is as a community kind of be like, okay, when my kid grows out of my pads, let, let me know, we'll work out a price and we'll exchange and things like that can definitely happen. Um, but as far as the backup goalie thing, that's tough for us because injuries happen, right? Even with kids, mm-hmm. injuries happen. So you can't really go with one goal. You need two goalies available, but that one I don't really have a, a solution for because I will not stand for switching goalies halfway through a game. No. I cannot have it. Won't won't support that. I don't, even like I played house league. Even in house league, I hated that. I would rather sit on the bench a whole game and watch someone play, and then when it's my turn, I get the whole game. That's so much better, in my opinion. And then as far as like goaltending is very clicky. Like you mentioned, this guy was in a good program. So his name is known. So they're like, okay, this guy's in the right spots. He's in the right program. He's getting right training. He's going to be the guy. The issue with goalies these days is if you're going to be a goalie and your parents are have the luxury of being able to put you into these camps and get you on these teams and get all the good equipment, that's, that's great. But you end up kind of becoming like a robot. Like you're just so programmed to do the moves you learned and did a thousand times in camp, get your positioning, get your angling. Like there's no kind of like hand-eye coordination. There's no reflex. There's no creativity, all that kind of stuff. Whereas some of the best goalies are the goalies that didn't spend a single second in goalie camp because they're thinking on their own. They're creative. They're not stuck to these ways where they're so programmed to only move this way and that way. Like they can think the game a little bit better and react. So sometimes those backup goalies that uh, don't have the best set of equipment and their parents couldn't get them into the best summer schools, those end up being the best guys because they have to find out ways to do it on their own and do it different than everyone else. No, that's very fair. I was just uh, reading all the replies to the posts as you were going on there. And my favorites are the ones like, oh, no, they do. Like, have you not seen, like, Darcy Kemper and Jordan Binnington? Like, no, I'm talking the days where it was Luongo. It was uh, Broder. It was Wah. It was – Yeah, where they were literally the top echelon. Like, all three goalies were some of the best goalies in the world for Team Canada back in the day. Ed Belfour and Curtis Joseph had to battle who was going to be the third goalie on the Olympic team in 02. The, the and obviously Carey Price needs to be mentioned. He's probably the last like elite elite talent. Some of the people replying there, but a lot of them were were really good uh, kind of thought processes of why Canada is struggling to produce elite elite goalies. And it's not like there aren't elite goalies anymore. Russia's got a factory right now with Vasilevsky, yeah. Sorokin, Shosturkin. Like the list goes on and on. Scare of yeah, <laughs> right. And that's a different age group, right? They're coming up kind of one by one. And right now we're seeing Canada falling behind. Like it, it's tough and we'll see if they can bounce back. Cause like Finland, I'd say it's past them in terms of yeah. quality NHL goalies. Sweden is probably right there with them. Although they might be struggling as well. Like Anton Forsberg's probably one, two or three, like Leonard, him, Markstrom. Those are probably the three goalies when it comes to sweet team Sweden right now. It, it's an interesting debate. And one that I'd love people to comment as well, kind of how you would fix the goaltending situation. It's beyond some people are saying like, Hey, it's one game, dude. No, I'm not saying this off of one game last night. Yeah. Cause like I said, every single year for at least like the past five years, Canada's starter goes down and it's a backup and goaltending is not ever the reason Canada wins championships recently. Like it's been high, high power offenses and really high draft picks. Like the goaltending has not been the story in this country for a long time. And, and Ross, like, it seemed like not only Canada was a goalie factory, but Quebec was a goalie factory. And you you mentioned a couple guys that people prop up now in the Canada system. Not a lot of French-Canadian goalies, which what's up with that? Yeah, very curious. Let us know in the comments what you think before we move off of World Juniors. Pelzi, your scouting report for Zach Ostavchuk and Thomas Amara. Well, Zach Ostapchuk was just doing what he does, right? Like, he's out there grinding. Like Scott Wheeler said in our interview, he's someone that can be a great net presence. He's going to do the dirty work that maybe some of the other players on Team Canada aren't accustomed to doing or just aren't that good at doing because they don't need to do it. They can rely on their skill. Whereas Ostapchuk, he's going to play a heavy game. He's out there in front of the net getting pucks. He's able to set his teammates up. So 
I was pretty happy with the stat jumps game, even though he's kind of a limited role, so you don't get to see a whole lot of him, especially Ross, when Team Canada was down 5-2 in the third period, Connor Bedard was out there every single shift. Like, you didn't see much of a Zach Stapchuk. And then Thomas Samara, I was actively looking for him. It was hard for me to kind of find him because, similar, the Czechs play a lot of David Yerchek. He had heavy minutes. And uh, Hamara, kind of the only time I noticed him is when he got a penalty for cross-checking a Canadian guy in the face uh, when his helmet was off after the whistle. And I was like, where's Hamara? Oh, there he is, in the box. Um, But... There wasn't any of those bad blunders that we saw last tournament where Sens fans watching are like, okay, here's our guy. And you're just like, oh, was that Hamara? Yeah, oops. Uh, but you know what? I think he's going to have a good tournament, especially with like the Czechs can really ride off that success of beating Canada in the first game. That could end up being a very meaningful game down the stretch, especially when you look at Germany and Austria Definitely teams they could beat up uh, throughout the tournament. So having that win up against Canada is huge for them. Yeah, it's huge as well. And I mean, you know that we're getting old too. Yaroslav Spachek's kid was playing for Team Czechia as yeah. well. Yeah, and he looked good out there too. Yeah, a lot of uh, Stanislav Svozil as well. That kid looks like a stud. You know who looks like the biggest stud so far on day one was a guy we loved in the draft process, but a guy who a lot of the scouts were like, oh, he's Tyler Clevin, and, and we know what scouts thought about him, where he's just big, doesn't do much. Leon Bixell might have had yes. the best day of anyone. That guy, he's 6'6". If you haven't watched any of that uh, Swiss game, they played against Finland. They beat them in overtime. That kid was a monster out there. Just want to give a shout-out as I turn the attention to the other games where I watched Oscar Pedersen, one plus one, goal and an assist. I mean, his goal made yes. it 11 nothing. Uh, <laughs> so there was that. It was a nice little backdoor tap in. Um, however, it reminded me, Zach Ostapchuk's only goal in the summer tournament made it 11 nothing. It was the same score, maybe 11-1, but it was the 11th goal in a big win for Canada. <laughs> but great to see Pedersen get off on the right foot. He started on the fourth yep. line. And one of the notes I have here on him is that before he... he um, he started on, or sorry, before the game got out of hand, which I would say it got out of hand on his assist on the 5 nothing goal where the goalie came out and played it right onto his tape. He went out and he was at a bad angle and he took like a shot pass and it just went off the shin pad of, of his teammate out front. But that made it 5 nothing. Before that, though, he drew a penalty and then they scored on the delayed penalty. So give him a little stick tap for that. I mean, it's an 11 nothing game, right? So at the end of the day, we get a few of these every year, but uh, good to see him start off on the right foot, whereas Tyler Boucher, his first shift, no surprise, goes in, finishes his check hard. Um, the other notes I have on Tyler Boucher is should have had a goal at the end of the first period. Quick whistle. Didn't uh, didn't allow that one. Too bad. Would have probably made, made him kind of get a little extra pop. Then he has a great screen on the 2-1 goal, standing right in front of the net. Almost got a stick on it, but still took the goalie's eyes away. Second goal. Didn't love that. Again, it's the second goal. He kind of sees the play come behind the net and his eyes just turn red. You know what I mean? He's like, I'm going to pop this kid. So he leaves his spot at the top, comes down, and then doesn't even finish the hit because he realizes that he's not going to get there in time. The play goes back up to where he should be. He does get there in time, but he's a little too passive, doesn't go up, and then kind of like half-heartedly goes down to block the shot, and it goes in the net. I mean, it's not like he's giving up a high-danger area, but it's unfortunate result. Probably would have liked to see him either stay on his guy or at least when you do have the momentum of skating from deep in your own zone, at least go out there and make make it difficult for him to make a move. But he kind of gave him like the five feet of respect and obviously made him pay uh, on that one. So didn't lose that, but hey, he was standing in front of the crease causing havoc on two of the USA's four goals early and then showed some nice hands. So I thought it was all in all a good debut for Tyler Boucher. Yeah, and he's doing things you expect him to do. I think on that play where they get scored on, like you mentioned, that's one where Tyler Boucher with experience will learn, hey, I don't have to make a big hit on every play. Sometimes the best play is just to be in the right position. You don't have to make a highlight reel play. You don't have to have an impact. You just need to be in the right spot at the right time. And that's something he's going to learn over time. Yes, he will. And we will be following that as we continue on here. Day off for both Canada and... The U.S., but we yep. will have Oscar Pedersen in action and Thomas Amara later on tonight. We'll get to that tomorrow on Locked On Senators, but we got a game tonight. The Ottawa Senators are taking on the best team in the National Hockey League. Yes, I don't say that lightly. The Boston Bruins are a complete 
wagon. Only four regulation losses all season. They are 27-4-2. So what are some keys to victory? We'll get into that and look at both lineups next on the Locked On Senators podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by the Glebe Central Pub. We love our friends at the Glebe Central Pub. You can go visit the Glebe Central Pub on Bank Street, right in the heart of the Glebe. They have daily drink specials, daily food specials. And what do we love about the Glebe Central Pub? They love the Ottawa Senators just as much as we do. So if you visit the Glebe Central Pub at 779 Bank Street in the heart of the Glebe, let them know, by the way, that Locked On Senators sent you. But check out their website, GlebeCentralPub.com, and there's a tab called Sends Bus. They have more Sends Buses coming, including tonight. If you're going to the game tonight, the game's at 7, and they will be leaving one hour before the game. And I've heard it's going to be an amazing crowd tonight, by the way. Upwards of 20,000. It's going to be the biggest crowd. Obviously, a lot of Christmas stocking stuffers, a couple tickets to tonight's game, I'm sure. $15 to get to and from the Glebe Central Pub. They also have one coming up on January 7th against the Seattle Kraken. Okay, so we will get to that one. January 7th against the Seattle Kraken. Make sure you go to the Glebe Central Pub in the heart of the Glebe. Check them out. Pilsy, give me a menu item that you would crush when you're at the pub. You're good. Uh, I'm looking at the menu right now, and uh, the reason my mic was muted is because I'm salivating at some of these options. And they got some good burgers here. I'm looking at the cheddar jalapeno burger. I love me a little spice on that burger, some good cheddar cheese, and uh, get it with some waffle fries at the Glebe Central Pub. All right, head to the Glebe Central Pub in the heart of the Glebe and let them know that Locked On Senators sent you. All right, Pilsy, I'm seeing at Sens DJ confirming what we said in the ad that it's going to be a massive crowd tonight at the Canadian Tire Center. The last time Boston was in town, it was also an amazing crowd. Yeah. Last Tuesday of your life. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hope this could be the next best Tuesday of my life, Ross. Yeah, I actually had to fill out a form the other day where you use like the little calendar. And you had to go back to the day you're born. Turns out I was actually born on a Tuesday, so I can't I can't cooperate with you there. Yeah, <laughs> that's well. I don't know. That might have been a rough day for you, Ross. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> but yes, the Boston Bruins are in town, and yeah, uh, Ross. I'm Ooh. seeing tweets of people saying it's going to be twenty thousand uh, people at the CTC. That is absolutely insane because. The home opener was 19,800. So if it hits 20,000, that's wild. So definitely this is a game to get hyped up for. I think maybe maybe the reason why there's so many people in attendance is because the Sens injury list is going to take up a whole section. Yeah, I know. No kidding. That box is not going to be available for anyone else. But uh, this Sens lineup is not exactly uh, exciting and, and full as the crowd will be. The Ottawa Senators do, in fact, have Tim Stutzla back. He returned on Thursday and played a career-high 27-plus minutes for Tim Stutzla. He'll center Brady Kachuk and Claude Giroux. Nothing wrong with that. As we move down the lineup, Shane Pinto is in between Alex DeBrinkett and Drake Batherson, who's riding a 10-game point streak. Dylan Gambrell in between Parker Kelly and Jake Lucchini is back up and in the lineup. And the fourth line is Mark Kaslick between Derek Broussard and Austin Watson. On defense, Thomas Shabbat with Nikita Zaitsev, Jake Sanderson with Travis Hamanick, and Dylan Hetherington with Nick Holden. Neither goalie was on the ice for the morning skate, but we expect Cam Talbot to start, and the injured list is quickly as follows. Josh Norris, Rourke Chartier, Matthew Joseph, Tyler Mott, Eric Branstrom, Artem Zub, and <sighs> Jacob Bernard Docker as well. It's game 34 for the Ottawa Senators on the season. They are o. 3-0-2-1 in their last three games, but on the season, they are clicking at 14-16-3 with a minus six goal differential. Pilsy, who is your locked-on player in tonight's game? My locked-on player for tonight's game is going to be Thomas Shabbat. I think the only way this team has a chance in hell of winning this game 
is going to be their top defenseman, has to be their top defenseman at both ends of the ice. Like he's going to have to be better defensively than he has been this season. Although lately he's definitely been better than the start of the year. So we got to give him credit there, but not only is he going to have to defend better up against that top six in Boston, which is absolutely insane, which you'll see when we get the lineup here, but he's going to have to produce and he's going to be, have to be able to skate the puck up the ice and transition here because this is going to be tough sledding for the Sens, and he's going to have to have crisp, perfect passes on the power play. Like I think we'll get to it later, but I think if this team does have a chance of winning this game, the power play shocker is going to be a big reason why. Yes, and the power play, even though as good as it is right now for Ottawa on the season, it's still below where the Boston Bruins yeah. is. My locked-on player is Drake Batherson. I mean, the 10-game point streak, and I had him as my locked-on player against Washington, and I was like, hey, an even-strength point or goal would be great. Well, it turns out, no. He scored on the power play. Uh, mm-hmm. However, he is on a 10-game point streak where he has seven goals and seven assists. But, Pilsy, have you ever seen a player – and this is a rhetorical question. I don't expect you to have an answer. A 10-game point streak where you're minus six on that streak. Like, this guy can't catch a break. He's got the second worst plus minus in the entire National Hockey League. And we're not people on this show who who talk about plus minus as the be-all, end-all. But when the next worst plus minus on your team is minus 11 and you're minus 23 on the season, you kind of wonder why, how, what? It just seems like away from the puck. And wasn't the overtime goal a perfect example of that where he just doesn't move his feet? Like, you got to pick it up. Let's go. Yeah, that was a weird play. I think uh, if I remember correctly, it was a weird uh, change by Brady too. The the capital switched going into the offensive zone and Brady wasn't sure which guy to get and Drake thought he was getting a, a certain guy. And so he stopped moving his feet. And then at that point, Johansson realizes it turns on the jets and gets past them for a nice clean shot that beats talent. So, I mean, not, not the best play by Drake Bathis in there, but I'm not putting it hundred percent on him. But the, what we're getting at is the defensive play that Batherson was so renowned for is not there anymore. Yeah. And I think Big people time. that didn't see him before he made it to the NHL might wonder what the heck we're talking about. Cause he's never been like an elite defensive player at this level, but man, in junior and in the AHL, this guy was relied upon on penalty kill situations. He was relied yeah. upon just to be the best player on the team. And I, I do think he has that in him, but it's really unfortunate that defensively there's a lot to be desired right now in his game. I mean, even on this 10-game point streak, only four of his 14 points have come at even strength, right? Ten of the 14 points have come on the power play. And Hey, we love, we love a good power play. You need that to win a game, but need to see that pick up at even strength. Alex DeBrinkett, you could say the same. Like he has been absolutely killing it this season on the power play, but at even strength, I mean, there's not, not a whole lot going on right now. And it's kind of a, a real problem for this team as well. So we'll see if he can continue that second line, right? I think that's what I'm getting at is they're, they're producing on the power play, but let's see what they can do at even strength. And I think you really need goaltending and and your special teams to be elite. If you're going to even come close to beating the Boston Bruins who sit first, they they have 54, 56 points right now, right? (laughs) They're number one in the national hockey league by six points. They have a plus 56 goal differential. The Boston (laughs) Bruins. This team is unbelievable. Pilsy. Why don't you run through their lineup for tonight? So it's Brad Marchand with Patrice Bergeron and Jake DeBrusque. Pavel Zaka with David Krejci and David Pasternak, a deadly duo. Yeah, look out. That's one hell of a line. And then, Ross, we tweeted it out. A Hart Trophy winner in Taylor Hall on your third line. He's playing with Charlie Coyle and Trent Frederick. Then you got former Sen, Nick Foligno with Nosek and AJ Greer. And this decor is is pretty good, too. Like uh, Matt Grizzlick and Charlie McAvoy is a great top pair. I love this pair of Hampus Lindholm and Brandon Carlo. That's a perfect yin and yang, if you ask me. Offense with Lindholm, defense with Carlo. And, (laughs) excuse me, their bottom pair is Derek Forbert and Clifton. And in goal, I mean, Linus Olmark, this guy's going to win the Vesna. His numbers are absolutely incredible. I think he's only lost one game in regulation. And then your boy, Jeremy Swayman, Ross. Hopefully, we get to see Swayman again and get the Swayman chance going in the CTC because I don't think you're going to hear all Mark chance at all this season in the road buildings. (laughs) Hey, guess what, Pills? 
Line you have breaking Lina news Allmark. for me? No, Linus Allmark's worst save percentage in a single game this season was against the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, sure. He only oh, played- true. Yeah. He only played 19 minutes. He allowed one goal on six shots, but that's just <laughs> how good he's been this season. And, and you're right. Uh, one regulation loss on the year, and he had a 929 save percentage in that game. Allowed two goals on 28 shots in Toronto uh, for the one loss there. This guy's been unbelievable. Um, in his last two games, in his last two games, not a math guy, got to add this up real quick. In his last two games, he's made, stopped 73 of 79 shots, allowed six goals, and has a 924 save percentage. This guy, all season long, he's been unbelievable. I mean, 19-1-1, one one. what more do you want? <laughs> what more do you want from a goalie? Those are Hamburglar numbers right there, Pills. Yeah, big time. So this team from top to bottom, as DJ said, is a good team. I'm going to go with a different Swede, though. I'm going to leave Linus Allmark aside, even though, hey, we we snubbed Linus Allmark when we're talking about goaltendings um, for the Olympics or whatever. True, yep. I think Linus Allmark's probably your starter right now, but I know who I'm starting on defense with Victor Hedman. It's Hampus Lindholm. I mean, come on. Yeah. What an absolutely stunning pickup for the Boston Bruins last year at the deadline. People were giving them a hard time that they extended him for as long as they did, at as much as they did, this guy's about to set a career high in points, which we know he has offense to his game, but I'd describe him as a two-way defenseman. Like, this guy's just as good defensively as he is offensively. And let's use Drake Batherson, who I brought up as minus 23. Hmm. Well, Hampus Lindholm is plus 27. So oh God. A bit, of a, a bit of a difference at even strength between those two guys. Uh, Hampus Lindholm leading the National Hockey League by five in the plus-minus category ahead of Joe Pavelski, who's second. 33 games, 24 points. And again, look at the even strength production for a guy like Hampus Lindholm. 15 of his 24 points have come at even strength. He's averaging near 24 minutes a game, which I think is perfect for a top-four defenseman. I know the Senators are going to have to rely more on Thomas Shabbat than that tonight, but I'm going to be looking out for Hampus Lindholm as a guy who, on a team full of stars, full of offensive weapons, I'm sure you're going to touch on an elite offensive player in your lookout, but I got to give some credit. The entire back end on Boston is unreal from from Charlie McAvoy. Matt Grizzlick has turned out to be a really nice, complimentary top-four defenseman, but Hampus Lindholm, what he adds to their group, I think is what pushes them from being a very good team to an exceptional best team in the league. Like you're adding a top four, a top two defenseman and you're able to play him on your second pair. He is, he's unbelievable. And I think everyone in attendance should keep an eye out for him tonight. Yeah, that's a good one. That was going to be one of my choices too. I looked at him, Ross, when they made that trade with Anaheim, I was not one of those people that was goofing on them. And when they extended him, when that happened, I was like, that is a massive, massive move for Boston. Cause he effectively replaces Tory Krug, right? Like they were trying to find how can we find a guy that can bring offense like Krug, but also play decently defensively. Like you mentioned, Hampus Lindholm was the perfect candidate and they got him on a down year in Anaheim when he hadn't been playing well. So they got him at a good price. I, in my opinion, so just great job by the Boston Bruins. I, I mean, the real thing is, Anytime you can get Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci on a combined $3.5 million, you're going to have success. You're going to be able to fill that uh, cap room with other players elsewhere. But that's just the way the cap world works. And uh, those players agree to those deals. So that's fair, I guess. Well, and with that, and we'll, we'll turn this into your lookout player, but the trade was Hampus Lindholm with 50% of his salary retained for that season. So he's yeah. able to cap while Bergeron was making more money. And in return, Erho Vakaninen, John Moore, who was just kind of a cap compliance move, yep. a first-round pick in 2022, which ended up being a mid for late first rounder and then a second round pick this year and a second round pick next year. So uh, a complete heist. And I mean, if you're Anaheim, you want picks, you got three in the top two rounds, but this is just a steal of the deal. I forgot about all the draft picks. I thought it was just the first one. So like on paper, that's a pretty good haul for the Anaheim ducks. But I mean, what this guy provides for the Bruins, they don't give it. I mean, (laughs) The Boston Bruins have the worst prospect pool in the league. They don't give a damn about prospects. Their only good prospect is in the World Juniors right now. The rest of of it is just kind of extra parts here. So they're not concerned about those draft picks at all when they're the number one team in the NHL easily. Yeah, I think they they go under the LA Rams move. Uh, Remember when they won the Super Bowl? F them picks. Yeah, although... 
that's blowing up the Rams' face as they're one of the worst teams in the NFL right now, and Baker Mayfield is their savior, and they're going to finish in the basement of the league and not going to get any draft picks. But they won a Super Bowl, so who, honestly, who cares at that point? You would got the job done, and this is kind of the Bruins' last dance. So put all your chips in. Who cares about draft picks? Try to go for one more with Krejci and Bergeron and pick up the pieces from there because they still have a decent core when you consider uh, Pasternak's not that old. Taylor Hall's locked up. McAvoy's locked up. Your goaltending situation looks awesome. So they're going to be just fine. And a guy that they weren't sure was going to be around, Ross, is my lookout player in Jake DeBrusque. Man, is this guy happy he didn't get traded like he asked at the trade deadline. And they signed him to a nice, tidy two-year deal, $4 million AAV. That's looking like a steal right now because he's playing on the top line of this team and Ross on the top power play. Taylor Hall and Krejci are on the second unit, whereas uh, Jake Brusk has found himself on the top line and top power play unit. That's incredible for a kid like that. And he's got three points in his last two games. He's having a good season. Jake DeBrusque is someone that the Ottawa Senators were kind of sniffing around. We thought, hey, maybe a Colin White deal with retained salary and some extra sweeteners going the other way will make sense here. But that didn't happen, unfortunately, because that would have been a great addition to this team. But DeBrusque is looking good as a Boston Bruin, so I'm going to be looking out for him. Hilarious that we get through the Boston Bruins without mentioning David Pasternak yeah. for third in the National Hockey League in goals. Only Connor McDavid and Tage Thompson have scored more goals than David Pasternak's 24 goals in 33 games. My key to victory, Pelzi, it's simple. You got a great crowd tonight. Keep them into it. Don't do the classic. How many times do we see them let in two goals in the first five minutes? Right? Like, especially Too many times. Over the years. Too many times is the correct answer. So I'm looking for the Ottawa Senators to get out to a strong start, much like they did against Boston in the home opener. Giroux scoring on his first shift. And then they scored again. It was 2-0 Ottawa in the first five minutes of that game. Get the crowd into it and carry that momentum throughout the game. It's going to be a tough test, but hey, big crowd. Let's show them a little bit of a good old-fashioned sensing just for the crowd, for, for a Christmas gift. Why not? That would be great, Ross. I like that for sure. The only way you're you got to use that hometown advantage to your uh, strength here. So I like that. For me, it's going to be keep it simple. Like that is the key here. Like one shift at a time. Like I don't want Timmy doing twelve deeks in the defensive zone just to deke his own defender and get a line change. None of that. Chip and chase hockey. Like. This bottom six, Ross, we were talking about it. This would barely be a good enough top six in Belleville, the bottom six that the Ottawa Senators have right now. No offense to those guys, but just the way injuries are happening and uh, guys are being put in places that really they're not appropriate for. And they're going to have to play simple hockey. Like, do not try to outclass this team. And play simple hockey by keeping your feet moving and hoping to draw some penalties to get that power play out. Like, That's the thing. I don't want to see a whole lot of east-west playing here. I want north-south, just move that puck up the ice any simple way you can because I really don't think this team has a chance to win Ross, so it's more keys to improvement and keys to keeping the fans engaged, like you mentioned, rather than keys to victory. So we'll see how this goes. We will react to it live in the postcast following tonight's game. A nice long show here for you guys as we come back from what was that? Our longest time between episodes in a long time, especially yeah. with the magic of podcasting where we recorded the Scott in, uh, Wheeler interview a little early. So we got our feet back under us quick. Can the Boston Bruins and Ottawa Senators do the same in their first game back after a Christmas break? Pilsy, your final thoughts before we sign off and watch what could be a disastrous game. I'm going to reach out. We'll see if we can get Spoke Z on the postcast after nice. dark. So, a little something for the fellas. I know everyone loves a, a good Z talk when uh, when he gets involved. Absolutely, yeah. He's a character, and he's got his eyes on every single hockey game imaginable, it seems like. Uh, so we love having Spoke Z on with us. Uh, thoughts for me is I'm glad we're, we're back to more regular podcasting, although I like the challenge of doing solo shows, Ross. It's, it's just not the same. Uh, the solo podcast, everyone knows I'm not the tech guy of this show, so I couldn't see the comments for – reasons unbeknownst to me uh so i was just felt like i was shouting into the void i at at one point i was like maybe there's just no one watching and i'm i literally have zero comments here but i'll keep slugging through and then i did the solo episode which it, it is fun and it's a challenge once in a while but i like the back and forth banter we have 
built on 700 episodes of this show. And final thought for me is the Belleville Senators. It was a close game up against the Marlies uh, yesterday, even though the shots and the play wouldn't tell you that. The Marlies were absolutely dominating the Sens in puck possession and shots. Sogard had a great bounce back game as he's had kind of a, a rough stretch returning from injury. So I thought he played really well. And uh, Igor Sokolov had a goal. They were in it, but the Marlies are the best team in that division. So no surprise that Belleville, without a lot of their key players uh, with Ottawa's injuries, weren't able to get it done. But a decent effort. And I'm going to be kind of zooming in a little bit more on Belleville as we go along here, Ross, as we need to get back into them. And hopefully we'll get the coach and some of the players back on the show here as the Belleville centers are always entertaining. I'll say that maybe not uh, always the best record and they've struggled with injuries, but the games are entertaining hockey for sure. They certainly are. Uh, My notes on Belleville are stick taps to Jonathan Aspero, who made his season debut after off-season surgery. So great to see him back. And uh, he was able to get in the lineup. And I think that's a a good first step. He was a very solid contributor to them last season. And local boy does great. Joe Carroll, who signed a professional tryout for the Belleville Sens. He scores his first AHL goal in what was his sixth game. So great to see a Carp Ontario lad get some uh, credit and a good bounce for him in the AHL. And shout out Footy. I know he was excited going, growing up going to games in Toronto to be able to call a game up at Scotiabank Arena, the yep. Boxing Day Classic. So great for that. And my final thoughts, you mentioned it, episode 700, and we would not have gotten even close to this marker if it wasn't for all the great listeners out there. We appreciate each and every one of you. You can always interact with us online on Twitter at Send Central or on Instagram Locked on dot senators and thank you to all of our great sponsors from Shawarma Palace to Farm to Fork to the Glebe Central Pub and Bet Online. I mean, the network provides us with so many great sponsors, Athletic yep. Greens and Simply Safe, just to name a few. We look forward to continuing all that in the new year, and we appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you so much for making us your first listen each and every day. I truly mean it. The show would not go on without your constant reminder yep. that. You guys are out there and watching and listening and following along. But for today, we say goodbye. Pillsy, great to chat again. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. We'll see you on the postcast where Laleem's Martian has a brand new mic. Oh, my goodness. Are the takes going to be even spicier for the Martian? Find out this has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.